So, being is really important when it comes to your life. If you're not where you're meant to be, you'll never have a sense of value or purpose in your life, right? right? You'll always feel like a fish out of water. Being is about functioning, okay, in the fullness of what you were created to be. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to coach you up in your faith. The more you know, the more you can grow. You live in a world that is more confusing than ever before. You live in a nation where there is no longer a unifying belief system that binds us all together as people. The only way to navigate a world like that is to know what you believe and why you believe it. Our goal is to give you the tools, the facts, and the perspective to think for yourself. So you'll hear things on this podcast that you won't hear anywhere else. So give yourself the best gift ever this Christmas and become a regular listener of the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. What a great day. You know, it's just, uh, gosh, not quite, what, 10 days until Christmas or 11 days? Uh, it's, it's on the a, countdown. Yeah, yeah, we're on today, the countdown. Yeah, so... 11 days to Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. That's pretty exciting. And 10 days to Christmas Eve services. Mm -hmm. That's such a big deal. If you're not in the Treasure Valley, please join us online. We have, uh, you can watch them live or you can join a premiere, which is kind of tape delay, which is awesome. And so I'd love to have you uh, join us. Also too, if you could go over to the YouTube channel, the Salty Pastor and hit like and subscribe. We'd love to see our subscription numbers go up this Christmas and let us know that uh, the channel is kind of been cordoned off on its own. So it's a standalone channel now. So we'd love to have you kind of go over there. Even if you don't watch on YouTube, go over there and subscribe to it because that really helps the uh, Salty Pastor continue to grow and expand Mm. its reach. So love to have you do that. Yes. And we are currently in our December of 2023 study and we're focused on the Mm. birth of Jesus and how his birth ushered in a new kingdom, a kingdom that challenged the old kingdom, the kingdom of this world. And if you can understand that that radical challenge um, that the kingdom of Jesus brought to the existing kingdoms at that time, your faith is going to grow so much stronger. Yeah, you know, the birth of Jesus is the birth of a new kingdom. And I'll tell you, King Herod obviously understood this to be the case. You know, Matthew chapter 2, when you read part of the Christmas story, oftentimes what we read is Luke chapter 2, because that's the one the kids love, because it's where you have the shepherd. It talks about the shepherds and the angels, and Mary laid Jesus in a manger and treasured all these things in her heart, which is a wonderful uh, uh, imagery and, and recollection of the event. But in Matthew, he records other things that happened around that event. And one of them was the Magi, which came from back east and showed up in Jerusalem and created quite a stir and said, where is the the king of the Jews being born? For we saw his star. And so, wow, that was exciting because King Herod asked them to tell him if they found this new baby king or not. Uh, They were warned in a dream in Matthew chapter 2 to not tell Herod and take a different route back home. Mm. So Herod, all the babies in that region around uh, Bethlehem up to two years old, massacred. He killed them all. So that really tells you that 
instead of a, a sweet, snowy, peaceful, quiet baby boy being born who cuddles and coos, we also see that he was ushering in a new kingdom, a kingdom that is so dangerous to the existing worldly kingdoms, uh, the kingdom of Satan, that he inspired a raging lunatic to kill all the boys born in that region. I mean, that's pretty significant in that regard. Yeah, I mean, the more you read the actual story, the more intense this actually gets. It's not, you move from the childish understanding of Christmas of, oh, just baby Jesus in the manger to an adult understanding of the the power and the threat to the existing kingdom of God's son coming into this world. It really changes your perspective on how you view Christmas. Yeah. I think it makes a huge impact because I mean, it's good to have a, a a childlike perspective of Christmas, Mm -hmm. but it's also, you know, have a little adulting mature to give you a totally different perspective about it, right? Because right. perspective is super important when considering, you know, what is going on in the world because, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson talks a little bit about this, and I like the way he phrases it. He goes, you know, part of the struggle of life is orienting yourself. And I think his point is, the way I take it is, you have to have the proper perspective on what's happening. And if you don't have the right perspective, you can't see what's going on in the world. Mm. And therefore you won't understand what's going on in the world. And it just seems to be overwhelming and, and crazy and there's no rhyme or reason. And it it can be very uh, discouraging if you have just simply the wrong perspective. But once you see everything through the life of this lens that Jesus Christ brought a new kingdom and this kingdom is in contention with the kingdom of this world, you begin to truly understand the big picture and you understand what God is doing in the world. And that brings a tremendous amount of peace, clarity, understanding through your own journey of faith in this world. So Perspective is important, and I think having this perspective about the birth of Jesus ushering in a new kingdom is really critical. It's salient uh, to that perspective. In other words, you can't develop that perspective that's going to help you tremendously if you don't see the fullness of everything that happened around the birth of Jesus. Yeah, I think this focus has really challenged us to think much bigger when it comes to what we are celebrating at Christmas, right? Yes. We're not just celebrating a baby or a person, but we're celebrating the fulfillment of God's promise, his plan to bring the kingdom of heaven back to the mm-hmm. kingdom of earth, doing that through his son, Jesus. And on Tuesday, we focused on the words of Jesus in John 14, where Jesus says that he is preparing a place for us in his kingdom. And the goal is for us to go there and yeah. be with him. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So the kingdom of Jesus is our home and and, and it's a place where we completely belong. Yeah. On Tuesday, I think it's interesting that we, we, we dug into that particular passage, but I think it's important because it connects what happens at the birth of Christ with the mission of Christ. So we see those two things intimately linked. And so by digging into John 14, 1 through 7 or 1 through 6, what we do is we discover the biblical principles around the, the kingdom that Jesus ushered in when he was born. And so... And one of those principles is that he came, right, in order to bring us back to 
God. And that's why the essence of what we celebrate uh, at the birth of Jesus is not just the birth of a baby, but the birth of a king that brings a new kingdom designed for us to be in. And he is ushering us and inviting us to be a part of that kingdom. And so I think that's really important to understand. And if you don't get that, then you're going to miss out the whole significance of the celebration of the birth of Christ. For instance, you should never forget when you celebrate Christmas, you should never forget that the kingdom of God is your true home. Now we spend a lot of time, you know, decorating our homes, putting lights on our homes, getting the Christmas stuff out. We get trees and decorations and, uh, you know, we get a bunch of stuff and gifts and we wrap them up and we put them around the tree and, we burn candles or, you know, scentsy products. We, you know, to make it smell, you know, there's this thing that used to be around called potpourri, you know, that used to make your house smell a certain way. People start pulling out the wassail and the cider and the hot cocoa. And we do all these things to make the holidays feel holiday-ish, right? To make it feel homey and cozy, which I'm a big fan of all this stuff, right? So I'm, I'm really into that. But we should never forget that this home is simply a shadow of our ultimate home. And home, our true home, is the kingdom of Jesus, and it's where we belong. Okay, and so that when we celebrate Christmas, we should celebrate belonging. Belonging is a really unique phenomena for human beings. When, when your sense of belonging is strong, research has really kind of started to dig into this. When you have really strong communal ties and you have strong family bonds, guess what? If you're, that your sense of belonging goes up, it's stronger, and then your life has more meaning. And uh, Stanford University, it's really interesting. They have this thing called the Belonging Project mm. because they're like, well, we have, all, we have such a diverse... We focused on diversity so much, so we bring people from foreign cultures and foreign things, and they come here and they get lost, right? So we're going to have a thing called the Belonging Project, right? And what they base it on is really solid research, and that is belonging is key to surviving any form of trauma in your life. It's key to developing perseverance or endurance in your life. People who have strong uh, connections, right? They, they have a place where they feel they belong, tend to endure in person. They have a better outlook on life. And for Stanford, what happens is they do better in school too, right? Right. Uh, that's a really big deal. But what's really interesting is our society and Stanford's uh, DEI focus is basically stripping away all the social bonds that bring belonging to people. Mm. And so you end up with people having all these mental health issues, right? And it's so funny that right now in our society, particularly among young people, and I think rightly so, there's an awareness that there's a lot of mental health issues happening, right? And there's, some people are calling, it's an epidemic. And right. then they sit there and go, how did this happen? Well, anybody with half a brain can tell you, right? We, we've employed all of these policies where we strip away all of the social bonds that used to bring belonging. And one of the biggest things that our society has done is denigrated and stripped away Christianity, right? And what's really interesting is, this is what I find so f fascinating, if, if you might allow me to be salty for a moment. 
And well, that is, is the name of the podcast. So. That is the name of God. <laughs> if, if you're a, a person who grew up in a Muslim country, if you're a person who grew up in, in maybe a, a Buddhist country, right? And you come to America at least 40, 50 years ago, you were told it's a Christian nation and you would come and guess what would happen? You would be accepted and you would be belong. 35, not quite 35, about 30 years ago, 32 years ago, before we had kids, my wife and I were sponsors of foreign exchange students. And what we would do is, in Wichita, is these uh, foreigners from Taiwan, from China, from Indonesia, different places like that, they would come to uh, uh, the university there in Wichita, Mm. in Kansas, and so we would then become a host, right? And our goal was to basically kind of show them what it was like. So one time we had them over to our house and we had hamburgers and French fries for, for a meal. And they'd never eaten that before, you know? And it's so funny because the Chinese students would come over and they would always go, well, where's the salad? You know? <laughs> and then so we would put out dressings and they would go, well, what's that? What is that? And we go, well, that's a salad dressing. You put it on salad right and they were like that makes no sense you know so it's just fascinating to me how if you come from all of these countries right to america you would be accepted and there was actually ministries and organizations to help accept you and expose you and then they would graduate and go back to china or taiwan or indonesia or wherever they're from Mm. right if i or my kids were to go to a muslim country or an indonesian country guess what they would not be accepted because they're Christians. In many cases, they'd be persecuted for it, or they would not even be given a student visa because Christianity is not allowed in many of these places. And if they do allow you to go, they tell you very specifically you're not allowed to practice your faith. Like mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia, if you go there, you're, you can't carry around a Bible. You're not allowed to do that. So it's just fascinating to me. So in the brilliance of cultural Marxism, social progressives, and this idiotic, diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff. What we're going to do is we're going to rip Christianity out and believe as secularists, we're going to create an accepting society. And the fact of the matter is, just open your eyes, it's done the exact opposite. So these kids come here now, there's there's nothing now, there are no ministries on these campuses anymore because they've been eviscerated by the schools themselves. And so these kids come over and they're lost. They're totally lost. And that's what's interesting. Our society through the appeals, the propositional truths of secular progressivisms, cultural Marxism has stripped away all the societal bonds that actually gave people meaning and the capacity to experience belonging. And now what they do is they attempt to force compliance with what Carl Truman calls expressive individualism. And that is you have to accept and you have to use these pronouns and you have to agree to this and you cannot have a diverse opinion or we're going to cancel you and censor you. And we're going to give you bad grades if you have a, and, and people wonder why is there less belonging on our campuses? Mm. Well, that's because you're a bunch of communists and socialists drilling this stuff home. And that's why communism and socialism does not create belonging. It creates isolation. And so why can't people wake up and see what's happening? By removing Christianity, we removed any bonding possibility or belonging possibility for the majority of the people in our society. What's so interesting about the Stanford Project is this. 
it's completely ineffective. It's absolutely ineffective because their premise is that belonging occurs when you're connected to people with the same goals and interests. If you go to Stanford and you look up the belonging projects, that's what it says right there in their opening paragraph, right? You know, you'll feel like you belong when you are with people who have the same interests and the same goals as you do, right? So then what do they do? Is instead of allowing people to pursue other people, right? And create their own groups that have the same interest and goals. They try to force everyone to have the same goals and the same interests, right? You will be committed to this DEI, you know, indoctrination. We're going to hit you with it at orientation and we're going to force you to have compliance. Does anybody see how contradictory that is and why it does the exact opposite of creating belonging? University campuses are all too often, you know, the, when they pursue this stuff, it reminds me of what Paul says in Corinthians. He says, professing to be wise, they just become fools. And what we're seeing is absolute unequivocal foolishness. This woke ideology is a virus that destroys. It doesn't build up anything. It's divisive. It, it undermines belonging and it doesn't allow any belonging to take place. Now there's only, you know, the point of belonging, in my opinion, is not by creating your own self, but by discovering your authentic self. And so if you go to university and they say, hey, we're going to belong, and then we're going to tell you what yourself is, which is totally ridiculous, uh, instead of letting people discover their own authentic self. And there's only one way to discover your authentic self, and that is believe that you actually have one. And the only way you can believe that you actually have one is to believe that there is a God and he created you with one. Yeah. I mean, that sense of belonging, especially like on colleges, that's, I mean, that's such the perfect place to really start influencing people mm -hmm. because you do leave home. You leave this place where you've been for 18 years of knowing who you are, where you fit in, in the world because you have had your yeah. parents and now you're going to this new place and you're being taught a different way of what yeah. belonging is. Right. And so understanding that, I mean, it's one of the potentially loneliest parts of your life is when you go to college because you don't know what the next thing is. It can be exciting right. if you're grounded in your beliefs and you know who you are, but if you don't know who you are and you've only just been told what you are the whole life yeah. by other people, then yeah, you're going to be terrified. And I mean, we're seeing this overwhelming sense of loneliness across our country because people are getting more and more isolated each and every day. I mean, after the pandemic of being forced to yeah. stay in your house yeah. for two to four years at this point. It was devastating. Like it, it really rocked how people understood, well, how do I interact with society and culture? Mm -hmm. And so how does, I'm going to bring this back, <laughs> that whole thought process, how does how does Christmas fit into that? What, what does Christmas do? What does the Christmas promise the followers of Jesus to fight that battle that we're seeing. Well, yeah, like we said, is that, well, he brought a kingdom that says, this is where you belong. We want you. I want you. I want you here. And I want you with me. You know, I mean, there's no stronger sense of belonging than that, right? The king of kings, the Lord of lords says, hey, I just don't want you on my team. I want you part of my family and I'm mm -hmm. going to adopt you. You're not an alien anymore, but a full citizen. You're not a servant, but you are a adopted child, right? And so you belong, you belong with me, you know? And 
I almost broke into the one of the first Taylor Swift songs, you know, You Belong With Me. Isn't that one yes, of her songs? Yes, that is also. You've been quoting Taylor Swift a lot lately. <laughs> Well, my kids are, are big. you a Swifty at heart? So, well, <laughs> my kids of it, my kids are Swifties, and so they they always uh, joke about that, and we sing stuff in the car. But the the second promise of it is is that it's where you're. It's not only where you belong, but it's where you're meant to be. Mm. Those are two separate things. Yeah, because you know, belonging versus this is where I'm actually supposed to be are very yeah. different things, right? Yeah, exactly. Because when you say, "Oh, I belong," you're saying I'm accepted. Right. Right. I'm accepted here. Wow. Okay. They want me here, right? Then where you're meant to be is when somebody says, you know, man, I was born for this, right? Uh, remember in the first movie, Avatar, where, uh, what's his name? Scully, the the Marine, you know, yeah. and he's supposed to go in and try to, you know, get to know the, I can't even remember what the name of the, the people are there, the Navi or whatever. Yes. And so they're racing him through all the stuff, you know, and he, he doesn't know who he is and he doesn't know anything and he's trying to learn and he's making all these mistakes. And then he starts to fly and he, you know, these birds. Right. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I was born for this. Mm -hmm. I became the, you know, the, the best hunter, the best everything. Cause you know what I'm saying? He's like, a fish takes to water. He took to flying. That's what it means to be where you're meant to be. It's not just, I, I'm accepted here, but I, I, I can make a valuable contribution here. Mm. I'm meant to be here. So being is really important when it comes to your life. If you're not where you're meant to be, you'll never have a sense of value or purpose in your life, right? right? You'll always feel like a fish out of water. Being is about functioning, okay, in the fullness of what you were created to be. Now, this, of course, cuts to the very biggest question of life, and it is what does it mean to be a person, right? Um, are you fully human? Are you a complete person when you only live for your own uh selfish desires. People today call that narcissism or selfishness, right? Mm. And it's really interesting because like you get on YouTube or anywhere else, social media, whatever you, you read books, there, there's no shortage of influencers, psychologists, therapists, uh, life coaches who talk about how it's not possible to have a, a, a loving relationship with a narcissistic person, right? Mm. It's just not possible. So guess what? Therefore, we are either meant to love, right? And that's what we are meant to be. We function best when we're loved and loving, or we're meant to be narcissists who are selfish and only <laughs> go after our own goals. Do you see what I'm saying is that yeah. we're cutting to the very most important questions of what does it mean to be a person? Are persons supposed to be narcissistic and focus only on their own wants, or are they supposed to focus on love? Right, which is more being or fully human in personhood. Uh, look at the opposite. Can you be a fully human? Can you be? Can you be if you're under the grip of uh, physical or material desire? Like what? What if you're? What if you're 
driven by uh, drugs or an addiction like gambling or what if sex is is really important to you sometimes people are aren't interested in long-term loving relationships they just want to go out and have a flash in the pan romance you know mm-hmm. just they're serial daters you know they date break up and move on kind of a thing can you be uh uh fully human when you live for everyone else because you're a people pleaser or is that codependent see what we're asking is questions that really cut to the core of what does it mean to be a person because what it means to be a person determines how you are meant to be c.s lewis talked about it this way he goes you know what we only know in part see in part we look into a mirror dimly because we can't see our true selves because you never know who you're truly meant to be until you are face to face with Jesus, right? Because it's in his presence that we discover our true selves. So how do we become what we are meant to be, right? Well, you have to be, you have to be in the kingdom of God. Okay. Otherwise you won't discover your true, what you're meant to be as a person. And that's basically in John chapter 14, notice where he says this. He goes, first of all, you have to believe there is something that you are meant to be. Atheism, secular humanism, scientific materialism, even Buddhism, Hinduism, even Islam do not teach that there is an authentic person you are meant to become. Only Jesus and Christianity teaches that. He says, you were created in the image of God, and sin has tainted that. And so I have come to free you from the bondage or the taint of the sin in order that you can become who you are meant to be. No other belief system defines personhood that way. Secondly, you have to consider where the this is who you are meant to be comes from. Does it come from nature? No. Is it a result of creation or evolutionary processes? No. When you read scientific materialism, secular humanists or atheists today and all their books and all of their stuff, they all talk about how, well, your behavior is actually determined. There is no sentience. There's no real consciousness that allows you freedom of choice. It's really just deterministic. It's only Christianity where it says, look, you know what you're meant to be somewhere, and that's why you're always striving <laughs> for more. Right. Right. And so, you have to pursue what you are meant to be and guess where you discover who you are meant to be the kingdom of Jesus. Because when you're in the kingdom of Jesus, it is where you are meant to be as a person with a soul. Yeah. I think really understanding who you are in today's world is super hard. Like, yes. Because the world is wanting to tell you who you are all the time, or they want to convince you that who you are doesn't matter. You just need to Yes. Do these things. Accomplish these tasks. You will be happy, right? Mm-hmm. Be rich, be famous, and have all yeah. the people in the world adore you, and that's true happiness or whatever. But we find actually the opposite is true in a lot of those kids. A lot of those situations, Most of those people yeah. who actually do achieve that are not happy. Yes. And so we identifying who you really are and really finding yourself and what's yes. going to make you happy, um, what gives you purpose, mm-hmm. what makes you wake up each day, I think the world is has robbed that from so many people these days. And we yes. see that in just the overall 
way people kind of trudge through life now. There's no joy. There's no hope. There's no peace in their lives. It's just, yeah. well, I got to make it through another day, but I'm not entirely sure yeah. why. And their mental health is in decline because yeah. of that. So when you let the, when the world has been so ravaged by these ideologies that have mm -hmm. convinced people of these things and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, yeah, you're, you're just trudging through life. Yeah, you know, and that's why I always say that what you believe is one of the most important things about you. It has such a massive impact, right? Yep. And if you don't believe there's a place where you belong, if you don't believe there's a place where you're meant to be and you can function in this authentic personhood, then, you know, you'll never find true authenticity. It's just so fascinating to me that our society is so focused on you need to be authentic, right? Be authentic. Be the authentic you. But nobody is inviting anybody to become authentic, right? Mm. And the kingdom of Jesus is an invitation to authenticity. It's discovering what real authenticity is. It, even though it's a catchphrase that's being thrown around, around right now, nobody actually knows what it means. Well, authenticity is about personhood, right? A place where you belong, and you can be what you were meant to be. And it's like you said earlier, society wants to tell you who you're supposed to be, but it does an inept job at it, okay? The, the biggest danger right now in education today is what I call progressivism in all of these other ideologies, right? Uh, Carl Truman wrote a book about the expressive self, and he says that the, the, the role of society in progressivism today is no longer to be a society that says, here are the things that if you want to be in the society, you must agree to. Here's the basic social contract. Right. And then you have all this other freedom is that our society now has become no a society in order for us to stick together. We have to affirm any lifestyle choice that anybody wants to make. Mm. Okay. Well, I want to be a drag queen that reads, you know, at the public library to four year olds. Okay, affirming that does not bond us together, right? That And Carl Truman says, this is craziness is what has happened. And it, it is the worst form of totalitarianism. It is anti-liberty and is anti-freedom. You know, liberty and freedom says, well, okay, as long as you obey the laws, the traffic laws, and as long as you obey decency laws, and as long as you you know pay your taxes and you follow the HOA requirements of the neighborhood that you live in, and <laughs> and you do those kinds of things, then then if you want to dance around in your living room as a drag queen, that's fine. And if you want to have you know invite people over to your house and read them a story and act weird, okay, that that's getting to the borderline of weirdness, right? But the notion that the public library has to host this and force kids in elementary schools to participate in it is absolutely totalitarian. It is not liberty. It is not freedom at all. And the reason why they force it is because if you leave it on its own to do its own thing, it will die, right? It will die, right? okay? But they don't want that. They want to force it on everybody else. And so the kingdom of Jesus is the opposite. It's about finding authentic peace because you're finding your authentic self. And it's saying you're not going to find it in trying to build some identity around a sexual persona. That is never going to happen. You cannot build an eternal self-identity 
uh, a true sense of this is who I am meant to be and a feeling of belonging around a materialistic thing. It's exactly the same as saying, well, I'm going to build my, you know, identity around barbecue. You know, it's like my identity is barbecue. Okay. That is who I am. That's what I do. That's that's it. Barbecue. That's my whole identity. No, you're a person. Do you sleep? (laughs) Yes, I sleep with barbecue. Uh, okay, uh, okay, but you still sleep, you know. See, it's just how abs- I, I point out this to just show how ridiculously absurd our society has become and why Christmas and celebrating it is so important because what we're doing is we're celebrating all of the goodness. We're not just celebrating, hey, we give gifts to each other and we care about each other. We're celebrating the very core values on which societies and nations are built that bring people together in the kingdom of Jesus is an invitation for you to come in and discover your true authentic self. And so what greater gift is there than that? Absolutely. Well, thank you pastor so much for uh, sharing all these thoughts with us for challenging us to think deeply about what Christmas and the coming of Jesus's kingdom really mean and how the world's trying to deter us from that real meaning and what it really means because Um, knowing and understanding that the world has a different agenda for you and your life will drastically change how you perceive what you hear on a daily basis. So Mm -hmm. I think it's super important that we're thinking about this and drawing our own conclusions and making a decision, um, thinking for ourselves and about what we believe. And I, uh, I'm just really excited for our Christmas Eve services, um, that are coming up next week. Like pastor Doug said, make sure you uh, make a plan for either joining us here on campus or online if you're outside the Treasure Valley. And if you're outside the Treasure Valley um, and you're uh, being blessed by the Salty Pastor Podcast, we want to encourage you to help support it. And we, you can do that through a couple different ways. One of them is, like Pastor Doug said, subscribing and, and sharing it with people. But the mm-hmm. other is, you know, financial support does also help. And yeah. um, if you're being so led to give to uh, something that's made a real impact in your life this year, we want to encourage you to give to the Salty Pastor Podcast. And you can do that at foothills.org slash give and just select the Salty Pastor Podcast off of that. Other than that, we'll see you on Sunday here at Foothills or next week here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. I'm getting to the end of my ability to say Merry Christmas. So (laughs) Merry Christmas. 